We started two weeks ago uh, a series called 15, and it's in recognition of this being the 15-year anniversary of our church. And so we're just going to look at different passages in uh, the scripture through chapter 15 in the Bible. So uh, we're in Deuteronomy today, and I'm real excited about what God is going to show us. Hey, let me uh, just invite you to be part of a couple of things. First of all, our church is going somewhere. I mean, we're not just putting, moving forward in God's leadership. And he's leading us to new places. So we have something called CIL Forward. And CIL Forward is a way for you to discover who we are and how you fit in. It's for people at all levels. Like if you've, this is your first Sunday to come to church, you can participate in CIL Forward. If you've been here for years but just want to know the church better, you can participate also. There's a couple of ways. You can start as soon as this service is over. There's an online version that you can start at any time and go through at your own pace. But occasionally we have a face-to-face meeting, and that's coming up on August the 16th. It's a Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. And if you don't mind registering for that so we can like pick the right room and be ready for you. Uh, but we... We just know you're a gift from God, and because of that, we want you to move forward with us. One of the things I talk about in CIL Forward is our identity, and our identity is a three, we call ourselves a three streams church, in case you haven't heard that. What are the three streams? There are three S's that are kind of easy to remember, hopefully. It's the sacramental stream, the scripture stream, and the spirit stream, and we just believe that God speaks to people through all three of those. Uh, Obviously through scripture, and that's what I'm about to share with you. And then through the Holy Spirit, that dynamic work of the Holy Spirit that can't be predicted, can't be controlled, but can be invited. And through the sacraments, water baptism coming up, that's a sacrament of the church. And that's why it's important that you participate in that. And then before today is over, you'll have a chance to participate in communion if you choose to, because that is the other sacrament that has high value to us as a faith community. So that's one of the things we talk about at CIL Forward, and I want you to be aware of that. Hey, Faith mentioned to you the prayer company, and this is a ministry that I'm leading and I'm starting. And join us this Tuesday if you're interested in learning more about it. Basically, for those of you who have been around for a while, it's the type of prayer we do that includes worship music. We did it during the week of prayer. And so... We have it at 7.30 intentionally. Some of you are like, wow, that's an hour later than when we usually do stuff. That is intentional because uh, we're trying to reach people who can't pray during the day. I mean, you can kind of have a prayer meeting during the day and a lot of people uh, who are either retired or or don't have uh, restraints in their schedule can pray during the day. But we're trying to target those of you who maybe aren't available to later on in the night. And we've done this before, and I know that time slot works for the people I have in mind. Uh, Parents, uh, a strategy for this is is we want you to have dinner as a family, but maybe one spouse can come to to the prayer company while the other put the, the kids to bed. You can rotate in the future. That's why that 730 time slot has been chosen intentionally. Some of you are like, Aaron, you made a mistake. No, no, I really thought about this, prayed about this, and actually experimented with this in the past. We'll have live worship. Beth will be doing some live worship at 7.30 this 
this Wednesday, this Tuesday, excuse me, when you come in. So, hey, good stuff. And that's uh, just a point of emphasis. Uh, we planned this for a long time and then boom, it's just here like this. It's time. I mean, our church is so active. We have so much going on. Uh, these things pop up and then here they are. And so I'm looking forward to seeing you this Tuesday. Well, the title of my message is called The Ministry of the Poor. The Ministry of the Poor. And, and you know, for a while there, I thought, is the word poor like not PC anymore? Like, is that going to offend somebody? But here's the deal. The word poor is used in the Bible. And so, we're, so that's how we're going to use it today. And I'll explain to you uh, why we value the poor and we see ourselves in that and we're all poor without Jesus. That's the point. But we'll get there today. But specifically in Deuteronomy chapter 15, uh, there is an economic way that God has directed his people. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today. But I'm going to start out just reading through verse 3 and then presenting it as a word of the Lord. Because then I have some commentary on those verses. So let's begin, and we'll just read verse 1 through 3 to start. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how to cancel debts. Every creditor is to cancel what he has left his neighbor. He is not, to, he has not called anything from his neighbor or brother because the Lord's release of debts has been, has been proclaimed. You may, you may collect something. Okay, guys, I tried to avoid it. I'm about to put my readers on. Man. Okay, I'll get it there. I mean, you know, I'm like up here trying to read God's word and I'm stumbling and fumbling and bumbling. But okay, here it is. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Lord humbles us, doesn't he? All right. Verse three, you may collect something from a foreigner but you must forgive whatever your brother owes you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, so trying to come up with a different word than the word poor, because like now we do know that sometimes we don't feel comfortable with that word, but you saw it here in the scripture and you'll see it more again. Here we have a cycle, the seventh year of a seven-year cycle all debts are to be canceled. How many know, I, I want to say that's a good system. I like that system. Uh, now, this is a different economic system than what we have here in America. The application here, I'm not going to dog our economic system. And I mean, that's kind of a hobby of mine. I love to talk about the economy if we ever get to have coffee or something. And there's anyone out there who enjoys that conversation. I would you'd love that. I've, I like the American economy. I've benefited from it. That's my opinion. Now, this is a different economic system. And the reason we need to recognize that today is not to say our system's bad, but to say this is how God was dealing with ancient, the ancient Jewish people. And there was a real reason that he canceled debt every seven years because debt had a much different intention. The intention of debt was just to help someone who had a bad year. Now, we, we, we have an economy where, where debt is leveraged, you know, for our houses, different things of that nature, and banks. I know some of you work for banks, and I've had real good experience with banks, with bankers. We have a great bank here the church uses, and so that, that's the system we're under. Their system was used to make sure that no one, no one had overwhelming debt. So if 
there was a bad year for crops and, and crops were, did not grow in agrarian um, society. Uh, then you would loan money to somebody, but here's the deal. Here's where you need to hear the difference between our debts today. There was no interest. So the scripture was clear, don't charge interest. So you're really just loaning someone some money to help them through a tough time. And this has come up here because God's saying this, that, that through this scripture and through this teaching, that, that Moses is teaching not just the law, not just the rules, but now he's saying, I want you to hear the heart behind the rules. I want you to hear the heart behind what is happening. So now we'll continue in verse four. Here's a great line in verse four. There will be no poor among you. Isn't that a great thought? Now, I, I, I want, you'll see here that three different times the poor are referred to in the passage we're going to look to. But here is a command from the Lord. This is an aspiration. It says, there, there will be no poor among you. There should be no poor among you. There should be nobody who is miserably and scandalous, scandalously poor. That there should be a way out. There should be a way to improve. That cycles of poverty and cycles of debt should be broken. And this was the heart of God for his people. And the heart for God in his covenant people. Because his covenant people had possessed the land. But the land was a gift from God. The land was not to be looked at as an expression of military power. The land was to be looked at as a as a gift from God. And because the land was a gift from God, then every seven years they would, they would cancel the debt and so people could start over, so people could get out of the situation that they're in. So the Lord is saying, there will be no poor among you. That's when you're obeying the Lord. That's when you're following the Lord. But that will be addressed again. So picking back verse four again, there will be no poor among you. However, because the Lord is certain to bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. If only you obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow every one of these commands I'm giving you today. When the Lord your God blesses you as he has promised you, you will lend to many nations, but not borrow. You will rule many nations, but they will not rule you. Now, notice he said there'll be no more poor among you. This is Moses Moses is teaching, but verse seven, if there is a poor person among you. So this is a second reference to the poor. He's saying there should be no, that's the commandment. That's the aspiration that there should be no poor. But verse seven says, now, if there is poor among you, this is how you're going to respond. One of your brothers with any, any of your city gates, within any of your city gates in the land, the Lord, your God is giving you. Here it is. Now here's the heart. Do not be hard hearted or tight fisted to your poor brother. This is the heart. There's the law Moses gave. And now he's saying, I want to give you the heart behind the law. If there's a poor person among you, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Moving on to verse eight. Instead, you are to open your hands to him and freely loan him enough for whatever need he has. Verse nine, be careful that there isn't this wicked thought in your heart. Now, remember the seventh year, all of the, the debts are canceled. Here's the wicked th thought. The seventh year, 
the year of canceling debts is near. See, this is the idea of like, I'm not going to loan in the seventh year because I'm not going to get my money back. They say, don't have that thought because the heart behind this is not to benefit on loaning money. It's to help someone out. And you are stingy towards your poor brother and give him nothing. He will cry out to the Lord against you and you will be guilty. Give to him and don't have a stingy heart when you give. And because of this, because of your obedience to the Lord, because you give to the poor, look at this, the Lord, Yahweh, your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you do. For there will never cease to be poor people in your land. So here's the three references, right? He said, first of all, there shall be no poor in the land. Now, if there is poor in the land, and now he says, for there will never cease to be poor people in your land. Now, see, is this a prediction that the people are not going to obey God? This could be like a prophetic? Or is this just saying this is the fact until the kingdom comes fully? There always will be poor in your land. This is why I'm commanding you. Open your hand willingly to your poor and needy brother in your land. All right, so there's a lot of good things to unfold. I'm gonna give you four observations from this passage and we'll look at those. First of all, I wanna establish what is the poor? Who are the poor? I'll give you three suggestions. We'll go A, B, C, how about that? Okay, first of all, uh, the United States government has a poverty line. And so let's talk about that letter A. The government says, this makes you poor. And if there's two people in your household, that's $19,700. So if you don't make $19,700 and there's two people in your household, the United States government says you're poor. If there are four people in your household and you don't make over $30,000, the United States government says you're poor. That, that's the poverty line. So some of us just go there right away. We're thinking, we're thinking okay, whatever a bureaucrat says, that, that makes us poor. Okay. So now that that definition is off the table, let's go to definition B. Definition B is whoever is poor is someone who makes less money than you. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I guess, you know, Bill Gates could think LeBron James is poor because he has more money than him. And so there's, there's that sense of, of like someone who doesn't have as many resources as you, we could wrongly say that. So that's B. So A, it's what the government says. B, it's when someone makes less money than you and you're like, well, they're poor or have less resources. Now here's C, who is the poor? All of us, all of us. Because see, everybody has a level of poverty in some area. Now this is talking about finances today and finances is a big part of our life. Okay, I'm not, I'm not raising money today or asking you to fill out a card or we're not gonna ask you to give any more money today. So this is not about CIL church. This is about you today. And finances is a big part of your life because you give 40 to 60 hours of your week uh, to, to produce and have, have finances. So this is what this scripture is talking about. But poverty and being poor is not only about money. Um, those with a lot of money can be, have a lot of poverty relationally. Uh, we can have poverty in the sense or, or be poor by physical limitations and, and everyone has those. The, these are areas where we could feel poor and social equ- equity, we can feel poor. This is what Jesus says about that in Matthew 5, 8. I like, I like Jesus. I like getting to the gospel, to the New Testament. I know some of you like Old Testament teaching because you're bored. Oh, it's really <laughs> someone to do that. But here's what Jesus said. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So he, Jesus is talking about poor, not just with money, but poor in spirit, meek, humble. And, and this implies and, and directly even says as you follow the teaching of, of Jesus, the need for him, the need for Jesus. Blessed are you when you have a need for God in your life. You're not blessed when you're prideful. You're not blessed when you're self-sufficient. You're not blessed when you think you can handle everything by your own, but when you have a humbleness about you and a meekness and say, I need God to do for me what I can't do for myself. This, my friends, is the type of spiritual poverty or being poor that fills us with the good things of Jesus. And so we are consistently seeking for Jesus. Someone gave Jesus a very elaborate gift. In fact, they took expensive perfume and they poured it out on him. Listen, I have a great cologne that I get at Walmart. It's only 20 bucks and it is good stuff. I had a friend of mine one time buy me like, like real expensive cologne, like extremely expensive cologne. He's a cologne dude and and he talked to Beth about it and asked her what she was interested in. And then he got me like this, like real expensive cologne. That's like Saturday night, go down to Nashville type of cologne, okay? <laughs> but most days it's a $20 cologne and, and it works out for me. It's good stuff. If you, if, you wanna, if you wanna know what it is, we'll sidebar on that. But someone took this really expensive cologne, which I know more about our perfume and, and poured it out on Jesus and, and people got critical of it. And then Jesus said something really interesting that actually references Deuteronomy 15. In Matthew 26, 11, he said this, You'll always, you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. So this all brings me now to the title of my message. I never spent 15 minutes just to get to the title again. The ministry of the poor. And the ministry of the poor is this, is that we being poor in spirit have a ministry. And then when we recognize others who have a level of poverty, whether it's socially, physically, spiritually, or financially, they have something to give to us, right? So in our poverty, we have something to give. And in fact, when we, when we operate out of being poor in spirit, we're filled with the good things of the kingdom, when we operate in the pride, we're full of ourselves. So now, not only do we minister out of our poverty, but we also see that the poor minister to us. And we do that. In fact, in this particular Bible, I, I wrote down in, in 2017, when I was in Costa Rica with this church for a week, I wrote down a date on Deuteronomy chapter 15 about the ministry of the poor because the people in Costa Rica we thought we were going for them, but they impacted us. The world said they're poor, but they were rich in the things that really mattered, okay? So that leads me to my first point today. I haven't given my first point yet. I gave you three points already, but here's the first point. The poor reveal our heart. The poor reveal our heart. Look at verse seven again. We're back in Deuteronomy 15. If there is a poor person among you, one of your brothers with any of your city gates in the land the Lord your God has given you. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. So when you recognize a need, when you recognize there is a financial need, a physical need, when you recognize that there is a need of friendship, don't be tight-fisted. Don't hold on to that. Because when, if you do, it reveals your heart. 
We are to be generous people, giving people. We reflect the generosity of Christ. We reflect this kingdom ethos that comes from the Lord that we give and give and give and we give without without concern that we're going to run out. Psalm 37 verse 21. Here's a beautiful song. The wicked person borrows and does not repay, but the righteous one is gracious and giving. All right. So the wicked person just takes, takes, takes and never worries about paying back. So that, that's a reality for those of you who need balance to this sermon. Just go back to Psalm 37, 21. If you say, I don't want to get ripped off. I don't want to be taken advantage of. Psalm 37, 21 is for you. You can just call those people who owe you money wicked and uh, justify it with the Bible. But here's a bigger point to this. The contrast to that is instead of being someone who takes, takes, takes and never repays, the righteous one is gracious and giving. So we have, we have this extension of our faith that's a reflection of the God that we have received from. Here's number two. Since I turn my page. The poor evoke our action. The ministry of the poor, meaning it moves us to activity. It moves us to action. If you see a need... And the Lord burdens you with that need. That's a responsibility. Now, I know that we see so many needs. We, we can't meet all of them. So I was tempted to say, if you see a need, it's your responsibility to fill it. But in this information age, when we're bombarded by need, needs, we do have to manage this. And we manage it by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit burdens us, and reveals a need. And sometimes you see a need and there's 20 needs before you, but there's like a spotlight on that seventh need and you just see it and you can't unsee it. This is God's call to you, evoking you to action. He said in verse seven, don't be tight-fisted. Don't be hard-hearted. Instead, look at verse eight. Instead, you're to open your hands Freely loan him enough for whatever need he has. Boy, I, I can improve in this area. I don't know about you. That's why this scripture, God's word is so good to us. Hey, if you see the need and the Holy Spirit is showing you this poor, poor situation, this poverty situation, and there's a light upon that. And you, you open your hands and open your heart. Freely loans, meaning if you have it, give it. You know, you may never get it back from the person. You may give something and never get it back from that person. But may God position our hearts where we're okay with that. Now, I buy people books a lot because back before the digital revolution, people used to come in my office and they'd say, can I borrow a book? And I'd say, I'd either say yes. And as soon as they walked out of my office, I would order a new one because I never got it back. Or if it was a special book, I would say, let me, let, me, let me buy it and get it, I'll mail it to you or whatever the case is. So, so, but I knew once a book left my office, the chances of it returning was very slim, extremely slim. And, and I think about this as, as you can see my selfish heart coming through in the sermon, can't you? Uh, I might revise that illustration for the 1045 service. <laughs> of course, this one's on tape right now. So like it, it's for eternity out there. 
But the idea is this, like let's position ourselves for like, when we give something like it's gone, it's gone. It's, it's, it's not mine. I'm, I'm just gonna freely give this. It may come back to me in this life. It may not. It may come back from this person. It may not. I think it's fine to have boundaries, all that. And if you really don't wanna give something out, don't give it. I'm not saying that. You guys are smart enough to figure all that out. I'm talking about a posture of the heart saying, hey, my stuff is from the Lord anyway. The Lord, it's the Lord's, it belongs to him. It's been sanctified to him. He gave it to me in the first place. If someone else needs it, they can have it. This is, this is a, an attitude of trust that you realize that when you let stuff go, it, God is watching over it. He is watching over every single part of it. Years ago, we went on a mission trip to, to New York City, which I learned that's not a really good place to take people on a missions trip because like Times Square was pulling people's hearts the whole time. I mean, Times Square was more powerful than uh, the, the call to missions on that trip. But we went two years in a row and it was, it was good for us to get a heart for our community. We worked with the homeless people. And um, then that ministry extended to Nashville. We were able to, to take what we learned in New York City and, and it was part of our ministry here in Nashville or helping, helping a ministry here in Nashville that we partnered with. And my mom, she'll be in the next service. She was on this trip with me and she's just such a sweet lady, nicest lady you'll ever meet. So we, we go out one night and it was cold and we were all bundled up and stuff and we broke up in groups and we had these packages of food and it was like, go and just, just give food to someone who's homeless. And so we all kind of split up in groups of two or three. Uh, mom saw this man who was like kind of sitting on the bench. He was kind of bundled up in a coat and he had a mask down. He kind of had his head down. He had a beard, kind of a bigger guy. And she looked at that man and she said, look at that nice homeless man sitting all by himself. Guys, that was me. My own mom didn't recognize me. I was just sitting there on the bench kind of warming up because I'd given out my package and, then, and she was ready to identify me that way. So on that trip, we had another couple and here's a great thing. I can't even remember their names. So I know none of you will know this couple. So I've been with one church so long, I have to kind of manage this now, but I can't remember their names anymore, but I remember their attitudes and it wasn't good uh, because we're like giving out food to... Uh, to people who need food. And, and at the end of the week, they're like, what was the purpose of this? And I'm like, what do you mean? What's the purpose of this? People are hungry. They're like, what was the purpose? I mean, are we just gonna give food? If, if we're, you know, we're not gonna, you know, witness to them. And, and we did witness to them. You know, I, you know, we're just gonna give them food forever. And I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of what Jesus has called us to do is to give food to the hungry, to give food to the hungry without like expecting them to bring benefit to us. And, and, and this, this kind of give and take was a point of discipleship. And wherever those people are, if you're watching online, you know, hello, good to meet you again. Um, but if, wherever those people are, I hope that, that their attitude has changed. And I hope my attitude has changed too. Because the poor, number three, humble our ideas. They humble our ideas. Okay. Verse nine, reading it again. Be careful that there isn't this wicked thought in your heart. Like trying to beat the system. We're always trying to beat the system. We're trying to always find the workaround, even with God. Isn't that crazy that we're like trying to find the workaround with God? Here's, a cra- here's the, the wicked thought. The seventh year, the year of canceling debts is near and you are stingy towards your brother and give him nothing. He will cry out to the Lord against you and you will be guilty. You know, all, all of our, our plans to try to solve issues of poverty 
You know, th- those, are, those are plans that the Lord may inspire and the Lord may give us ideas. But, you know, sometimes it's okay just to know that the, the poor will always be among us. Moses said it in Deuteronomy 15. Jesus said it in Matthew 20, 26, or the reference I gave you earlier. And so we bring dignity to the poor when we value them for who they are, not for what they can do for us. Okay, the poor, again, that's all of us are poor. We're not statistics. We're not, we're not trophies. We are a chance for God's work, his work to flow and, and for the love of God to flow through people. Let me give you the fourth point because we're running out of time today. The poor release our generosity. The poor release our generosity. You know, giving is something that it's like anything else in life. You get better at it. Okay, so you, you have to learn how to give well. And I've given to things and people and given in ways that I don't do that anymore. Because I learned that wasn't the best use of my resources. So all those boundaries are important and everything. But here's where often a bad reason to not give is because we're scared and we're not trusting the Lord. Look, look at verse 10. Give to him and don't have a stingy heart when you give. Now look at this. Because of this, because you don't have a stingy heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you do. For they'll never cease to be poor people in the land. That's why I'm commanding you, open your hand willingly to your poor a needy brother in your land. So this idea, we know this is a spiritual principle that when we give, God blesses us. When we take care of other people, God takes care of us. And we have to trust him in that. And so if we are being tight-fisted and hard-hearted because of fear, that's not a good reason to withhold our giving, our, our help to someone who's poor, okay? Now, if it's wisdom, that's a different story because wisdom does restrain us at times. But if it's fear, man, let's trust the Lord. Trust the Lord that after you give, the blessing is coming. After you give, there's new increase. After you give, there's new opportunity and there'll be a release of the debt. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11 gives this principle in a New Testament context. Now the one, that's God, now God, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. I mean, God takes care of givers. He just does. He just does. If, if, if you don't want to believe that, you're missing out on a dimension of God that that he wants you to know about. I'm telling you this for your benefit, not my benefit. Do you just believe what the word of God says about those who take care of the poor? And I just really sense today, this is, again, this is not an institutional sermon. I really sense God is birthing some ministries out of this sermon today. I I just think there's a few of you in here, you know, this number five's in my head. Maybe it's from the Lord, maybe it's not, but maybe five ministries that are gonna birth ministry to people who are being overlooked. I thank God for Brenda, man. Brenda has been taking care of the Sumner County veterans for over 15 years, monthly. She needs some help. 
some of you need to help Brenda out. She needs some help and just wave your hand, Brenda, so they know who you are. So she's sitting right there. We were supposed to work on this the last month and we forgot to. So the Lord's working right now. So the Lord's working right now on that. But there's other ministries that if there's something I don't know about, I can't call out that you know about. And just watch what God does in your classroom. Watch what God does with your friend group. Watch what God does in that, neighbor, that apartment complex you've driven by for years and maybe you've overlooked. Maybe there's a stirring. Maybe there's a starting. Maybe it's a partnership. Maybe one of the great partnerships we have through Bless Our Neighborhood. Like we can just give a little more. Like Jacob doesn't have to schedule everything for us to bless our neighborhood. I mean, the idea is he schedules a few things to prime the pump. But then we... We're, we're adults, yeah, we, can, we can find ways to bless our community, to link arms, to give some extra time, to, to push in a little further. Here's the last scripture I wanna share. And as, I, um, as we move towards the ministry time, whoever's doing music can start making their way this way. First um, Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says it this way. Joe, you're gonna do music? That's exciting. <laughs> Sorry, that was just too good. I was like, wow, Joe Keller's going to do music. No, he's taking care of the kids. That man's been doing children's ministry for 15 years. So praise God. But that'd been pretty cool if Joe would get on the keyboard. All right, back to the word of God. Here's a good scripture to close with. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant, are to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasures for themselves. as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. I wanna pray for you. Father, I just, just, Pray that you open up avenues and thoughts and ideas so that we don't overlook the poor. And God, there's a poverty within us and that helps us to see the poverty in others. I, I just ask, oh God, that you would help us, oh Lord, open our eyes, open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling financially. God, I pray that that struggle would not perpetuate forever. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, 